Google. It's one of the few companies that has managed to turn its brand name into a verb, joining the likes of Velcro, Xerox, and Photoshop. The phrase Google it is now synonymous with conducting an internet search, regardless of what site you use. But you don't have to settle for Google's tracking just to be able to search the web. Today, we give you five methods to keep your searches private. This is Cybersecurity Made Personal. Helping you stay safe in a connected world. This is Cybersecurity Made Personal. Hello and welcome to the Cybersecurity Made Personal Podcast, the safest podcast on the internet. I'm Jim Herman. I have two security alerts for you today. The first involves a social media scam that was recently discovered. Scammers are using automated bots to monitor Twitter and possibly other social media sites looking for posts asking if users have credentials for common money transfer apps like Venmo or Cash App. If the bots find a post where you've asked someone for their username on a payment app, they'll grab the profile picture and name of the person you replied to, create a fake account with a very similar username, block the account of the original poster, and then reply with a link to their account instead. So for example, imagine that I post a story about how I was holding five $100 bills, but the wind blew them out of my hand and down a sewer grate. You see my post and reply that you're sorry that it happened and that you'll send me a little something to help me cover my losses if I give you my Venmo. The bot then creates the duplicate scam account and replies with the scammer's user details, but because the bot also blocked my account, I don't even see the bot's reply. The only noticeable difference between the two accounts is a small discrepancy in the username, perhaps turning an M into an N or adding an underscore at the very end. So be very careful asking for payment app details in public social media channels. In all honesty, it's probably better to ask for the details over DM instead of through a comment or a reply. That way, you know that any response you receive is actually coming from the person you intended to speak to. And in a second alert, a filing with the Securities and Exchange Commission revealed that the company Cineverse had its systems compromised for approximately five years. You may not have heard of Cineverse, but you've almost certainly used their services. The company routes more than 740 billion text messages per year for multiple cellular providers, including America's Big Three. AT&T, Verizon, and T-Mobile. 
Cineverse has access to call and text message records for millions, if not billions, of people. And since many websites rely on SMS-based two-factor authentication, a breach of this magnitude could have led to the compromise of numerous accounts per person. Cineverse has reset passwords for all of its customers, which in this case are the cellular providers, but assessing the real damage of this breach may take months, if not years, to accurately assess. Do you want to be notified when we release a new episode or when there's an important alert that could affect your online safety? If so, visit cybersecuritymadepersonal.com email and sign up for our email list. It will be the safest email in your inbox each week. And don't worry, we won't sell your email address or share it with anyone other than our email service. Once again, that's cybersecuritymadepersonal.com slash email. And now, on to today's tip. Google wasn't the first search engine around, but it rose to prominence quickly by becoming the best at assessing the relevance of web pages. Prior to Google, it was quite easy to game search engines by including the most common search terms on your site. Those who surfed the web in the 90s might remember the blocks of text on the same color background that you'd never see unless you highlighted it with your mouse. Create a block of brown text on a brown background and you might be able to make your website appear in searches that had no relevance to the actual content of your page. Google pioneered the concept of examining the relevance of pages that link to a particular page, along with, on a lesser scale, the relevance of pages that that particular page linked to. So if another site about baseball linked back to a page on your baseball site, Google would see that as evidence that your site might discuss baseball. But if your site included a number of baseball terms, but was only linked to by pages that discussed knitting, Google would start to think that you're trying to game the search engine to appear in results for baseball and would adjust your search ranking accordingly. People quickly realized that Google was doing a much better job of finding relevant results. They quickly left the other search engines that were popular at the time, like AltaVista and Ask Jeeves, and they started using Google. Google had plenty of users now, but it needed a way to turn its popularity into cash that could keep the search engine running. In order to finance its growing operation, Google began offering companies the opportunity to pay to appear at the beginning of search results. Today, over 90% of all internet searches are made on Google, and advertising makes up a substantial portion of Google's revenue. While Google's newest products may get the most attention, 
The crazy ideas coming out of Mountain View, California, are financed primarily from the revenue made by Google Ads. And as I mentioned at the beginning of the show, telling someone to Google something now means to search the internet for it, regardless of whether or not the search is actually conducted on Google. Although Google does not charge money to search on its site, its money has come at the expense of its users' privacy. Advertisers use Google Ads because Google has become very good at targeting their ads to the demographics the advertisers want to attract. In order to best target those ads, Google has had to collect massive amounts of data on every one of its users. Most of the other major search engines have followed in Google's footsteps, doing mass data collection for advertising purposes. But you don't have to give up your privacy every time you want to find something online. Thanks to data protection laws in Europe and many U.S. states, it's never been easier to protect your online privacy. Before we begin, just a quick word of note. Because Google holds such a major portion of the search market, we will use Google as our primary example. But if you use Yahoo, Bing, or some other search engine, many of the same strategies for private searching will still apply. So how can you search the internet in a private manner? Here are five steps that you can take. First, visit your preferred search engine and see what information about your searches has been saved. All of the leading search engines will keep track of your search history and give it back to you on demand. Of course, the search engines will claim they're doing it for your benefit so that they can give you more personalized results. But of course, they're actually tracking all that data because they want to give you more personalized ads instead. But you don't have to let every search term become part of a personalized profile for advertisers. You can delete the history that any search engine has saved on you. On Google, go to your Google account settings, click on Privacy and Personalization, and scroll down to the History Settings section. At the bottom of that section, you'll see settings to see and delete your Google history. Choose the My Activity option. In the next window, you'll want to do two things. One, make sure that the Web and App Activity setting is turned to Off. That will make sure that Google doesn't track you anymore. Then, two, scroll down and select the Delete button. You can choose to wipe your search history for any custom period of time or for all time. And of course, while you're here, you may want to take a look at a number of other privacy settings that you can change. You can go through Google's privacy checkup options for a quick privacy overview, or you can look through the detailed settings yourself. We discussed how to delete your data from Google all the way back in Episode 3. So scroll back to that episode 
or check out the show notes online for a link to that episode. Second, sign out of your Google account before you search. There are several places where your search history can be tied back to your account. You could be signed into your account on the search website. You should consider logging out before you begin your search. That will keep your search from being tied to your specific account, even though it may be possible to connect your account through other methods. However, once you've signed out of your account, you could still be signed into your web browser. If you use the Google Chrome browser, you can use your Google account in order to have bookmarks, passwords, and more all synced across your accounts. But if you search while signed into the web browser, your search is going to be connected back to your account, even if you weren't signed in through the website. If you use a device that runs one of Google's operating systems, Android on phones and tablets or Chrome on computers, your Google login may also send information about your searches back to Google. Unfortunately, this is a tough one to avoid, since Google wants you signed into your device at all times. It is possible to use your device without signing into Google, but you'll lose access to some features and you won't be able to take advantage of Google's app stores. So while it is certainly possible to avoid signing into a device if you choose to do so, it will reduce the functionality of that device. Third, you may want to activate private or incognito mode before you search. The private mode or incognito mode, depending on what your browser calls it, will keep most cookies from being used against you as you search the internet. Private mode will block most cookies from being used, including the ones that sign you into your accounts. And it won't save cookies once you close the window either. This will keep Google from seeing that your search is connected to your account, although there are still other things that can be used to connect your browsing data back to you. In fact, it might not be a bad idea to use private mode for all of your internet browsing. That way, those annoying tracking cookies can't be tracking everything that you do. Fourth, if you want to maintain your privacy while searching, you may want to consider using a VPN. A VPN routes your traffic through other servers before sending it to its destination, protecting your privacy by masking the IP address that is sent out on the internet. I could be sitting at the Cybersecurity Made Personal Headquarters in Kentucky, but I could make it look like my traffic is coming from practically anywhere in the world by connecting to my VPN. Throughout the first three points, I've mentioned that there were still ways to connect your searches back to you, even if you were signed out of your accounts and using private mode. Your IP address is one way that your web browsing data can be tied back to you. Using a VPN masks the IP address that Google or any other website sees. To the eyes of the websites you're visiting, 
there's no difference between your traffic and the traffic of any other person that happens to be using the same VPN server. VPNs are useful for many things, not just for protecting your privacy. We covered the benefits of a VPN in episode 70. If you're interested, you can scroll back to that episode in your podcast player or visit the show notes page for a link. And fifth, if you really want to improve the privacy of your searches, consider using a search engine that is focused on privacy. You don't have to settle for a search engine that wants to collect your data for advertising. You can choose to do your searching on a site that cares about protecting your privacy. StartPage, DuckDuckGo, Brave, and Ecosia are some of the most popular privacy-focused search engines. Even better, some of these sites use the results of more popular search engines like Google or Bing, but they allow you to avoid the invasive tracking that comes with those sites. It gives you the best of both worlds. You get search results from the leading search sites combined with the privacy that comes with avoiding big tech's reach. Your browser probably has a default search engine that's used when you enter a search in the address bar. But all of the major browsers also have the ability to change the search engine used to whatever you want. The exact method for this change will depend on what browser you're using, but you should be able to find instructions on how to change the default search engine in your browser's help pages. You don't have to settle for compromising your privacy just because you want to find something online. There's plenty of steps that you can take to reduce the information you're giving away with each online query. Whether you just want to sign out of an account before you search, or whether you want to change which search engine you're using, you can choose the amount of privacy that's right for you. And as we draw this episode to a close, it's time for our cybersecurity pop quiz. Each week, we ask you a question about online security or privacy, and it's your job to figure out the right answer. This week's question is a multiple answer question, so any combination of these answers could be correct. Our episode next week will discuss how your car could be tracking you, So today, our question is, which of these groups could be receiving data from your car? A, the car's manufacturer. B, the car's dealer. C, the police. D, the entertainment system manufacturer. Or E, the car insurance company. Come back again next time to find out the answer or visit cybersecuritymadepersonal.com slash pop quiz to submit your guess and get the chance to win a $25 Amazon gift card when we conclude season four next August. So that brings us 
to the end of this episode. Thank you so much for listening, and until next time, stay safe. Thanks again for joining us for the Cybersecurity Made Personal podcast. Check out the show notes page linked in the description for more information about today's tip and a transcription of today's episode. If you enjoyed the show, we would love it if you could visit our welcome page at cybersecuritymadepersonal.com welcome. There, you can find more information about the show and links to some of our most popular episodes. Cybersecuritymadepersonal.com is provided for educational purposes only. Don't take any action on your computer, phone, or other device unless you understand what you're doing and the possible consequences. Visit cybersecuritymadepersonal.com slash disclaimer for more information. Cybersecurity Made Personal is a production of Personal Tech Media. Thanks again for listening, and until next time, stay safe.